0: relationships are some of the most cherished and important, but they can also be the most challenging and painful. Let's learn together what the Bible says about the relationships that matter most and discover practical wisdom for a fulfilling family life. Good morning, late morning, Venice shirts. How are you doing today? Y'all doing all right? Well, it's good to see you. For those of you who may be visiting with us for the first time and the first time in a while, my name's Stephen, and today you're here on a very special weekend where we launch a brand new series. Now today, we're gonna start our conversation talking about family and our new Dream House series, but before we do that, I really want to take a moment to just give you some instruction on, I, I really believe that as we go and we move towards the summer, how many are excited about the summer? I'm pretty excited about it. Some of y'all are like, my kids are out of school. I don't know how I feel. You have mixed feelings. Uh, I, I do feel like as we were praying as a, a leadership team about what to kind of do into the summer, I felt like family was a good place to be. I think a lot of times we can look at our world and we can kind of you know, have a lot of different ideas about where we can engage and what we can put our time in. But I, I believe the single greatest uh, thing that you have as a believer is your ability to live God's way personally and then allow it to move out in your family and so what we're going to do really from now all the way to the summer is we're going to do a few things I want to talk to you about first we're going to have this series every single Sunday for the next six weeks for the next six weeks here's what I want I want you to hyper focus on growing in your family and I'm going to tell you this series is for everyone how many of you by show of hands have been born it applies to you. You're going to learn all kinds of things, whether maybe there's something that helps enrich a relationship you have now, maybe a relationship later, or just give some good uh, biblical advice to somebody that you know. It's going to be very, very good. So I want to encourage you, be a part of this series. We're also um, doing starting a brand new small group study on this series. For those of you who maybe are new, every series we actually write curriculum just for small groups where you can get in circles with other people and really dig deeper into what we talk about on Sundays. And so when you leave today, right outside this door, there's going to be a table right in the center. Uh, We have a bunch of our small group leaders that have space open in their groups to welcome you. Now, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Uh, When you go out, if you're not in a small group, this is the tendency you have, and I want you to fight this tendency. For example, if you're younger, you're going to have a tendency when you go through the door to kind of gravitate towards those younger small group leaders. Here's what I want you to do. Don't do that because... Well, they already know everything you know. I want you to turn and gravitate towards some of those people who have gray hair or no hair, okay? They're going to actually help you grow. They didn't go gray and bald on purpose. I don't care what they say. They got some experience. And so I want to encourage you, really lean in to maybe an older couple or an older, an older set of relationships. Or if you're older, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go out there and you're going to go, oh, those young people. And you're going to start to move towards those older people. Don't you do that. Turn and face them. Do they absolutely understand all of the wealth of wisdom that you have? Not at all, but they desperately need it. And so make sure that you turn, go against that, that, uh, that inclination you're going to have um, for uniformity. I think it's going to be really, really good as we really all learn from each other. So get into a small group. The next thing uh, that I want to talk to you about is we've started a brand new series called Together on Thursday Nights. Thursday nights are great because uh, we really can focus in on discipleship. If you love worship, we have extended worship. We also do communion together as a spiritual family every Thursday night. It is a discipleship service. And unlike the 20 to 25 minutes I have on Sundays, I have a whole hour to dig deeper into issues on uh, Thursdays. And so I'm going to encourage you to do that. As a matter of fact, we have these fancy little workbooks you can get. um, And we'll be posting uh, some of these online as well. You can catch up. But really what I want to do is I want to, as we turn towards the summer, To focus on making our families better. Here's what I believe. If we focus in on family, God's way, we're going to be able to shine light and be salt to a world that desperately needs it, starting with our own world. So I'm going to kick off week one. Week one, we're going to talk about house rules. How many of y'all love rules? I'm going to give you some, but there's only going to be six. Okay. But before we jump into that, I thought it would just be great. Uh, to put you through something that I put my own kids through regularly, maybe you've heard of uh, dad jokes. Anybody heard of dad jokes? I'm going to give you some dad jokes just because, well, I've got the microphone and, and I want to I tell them. So uh, the first one, how about this? Uh, why do chicken coops only have two doors? Because if they had... Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're the only one that's done that so far. Thank you. Because if they had four, they would be called chicken, chicken sedans. Come on, it's funny. Now, now, you guys know this one. You know this one, I think. How do you make a Kleenex dance... Yeah, we got to stop telling that, okay? The, the, it, the news is out. We got to let that one go. Uh, two guys walk into a bar, the third one ducks. It's funny, it's funny, it's funny. I had a dream that I was a muffler last night. I woke up exhausted. Did you know five out of four people admit that they, they're bad with fractions? It's, it's, it's pretty good, it's pretty good. Okay, 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 enough of that, enough of that. Let's get into the God's word, okay? Here's the big idea for the whole series. This is the big idea. God wants us to win. Let me say win. Doesn't that feel good? Man, we want to win. But you won't do it your your way in family. The Bible shows us how. God wants us to win in family. His word shows us how. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put down all of our experiences with all of that emotion attached. Over here in a little box, we're going to open up God's word and we're going to put it over our head. We're going to let God's word be the filter because it's God's word and his word alone that works and brings life. Now, anytime we do a marriage and family series, okay? There's automatically three different kinds of people in the room. And so I'm going to talk about you for just a minute because I I really believe we have something for everyone. First, there are those of you in here, you're empty nesters, okay? You've already built whatever it is you were going to build in your family in the past. And when you look back in the past, you might be kind of looking, man, I did really good here, (laughs) but I did not go really great here. Maybe you look back in the past and you go, I didn't do anything that you're going to talk about. And you're tempted to get kind of depressed. Here's what I'm going to tell you. God, listen, this is very important. For those of us that are found in Christ, God does not require that you change your past as if you could, you can't. You can't change your past any more than you can unscramble eggs. So take in a deep breath and let it out. And let me just tell all you younger people who think you're gonna do it better. Listen, your kids will need Jesus and because of you, they will need counseling. That's a fact. (laughs) Now I believe how much, depends on how much you build God's way, we'll just see. And so take a deep breath in, I do believe There's young people all around you that need your help. That's the first group. The second group is this. Second group, uh, maybe you're in here and you've not started a family, or maybe you started a family and it completely blew up in your face. Maybe you thought, man, when you said, I do, till death do us part, it was not many years later that, well, you're apart. Maybe something didn't work out the way that you thought. Maybe a situation or circumstance happened. And anytime you talk about this, you kind of start to get a little bit like kind of the same. You kind of start to go, well, I just don't know if this marriage thing works. I just don't know if this family God's way works. And I just tell you, listen, it does work. And again, you can't change your past. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Look at your feet. You, listen, God has a great plan for your life. It's bigger than you could possibly imagine. You're living it right now. Right now, right where your feet are. I love God. He forgives us, okay? But he also empowers us through that forgiveness and grace to move forward and to make changes in our lives. So I'm gonna encourage you, Be listening for those things that don't align with God's word and then make sure that you align. This is important if you're new following God. God does not cater to you. He does not cater to you. He will not bend his will for you. If you want to be most blessed, you have to do it his way. Let me say it this way. You are not the center of the universe. You are not the center of the universe. That should make you very happy. Sometimes we walk around carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders and we were never meant to do that. We have to get under God's way. I believe God wants to meet you where you are. Some of you, uh, I'm in, actually in this third category. Uh, you are just quite frankly trying to survive. You're right in the middle. You're like, you got kids, they're crapping all over the house. You know, it's like chaos. If you, you, you literally like, literally, I have an 11 year old, a six year old. Hang on, 11 year old, a six year old. I got that right in the last services. A four year old and a two year old. Okay, and and sometimes I don't even know what day it is. Anybody? Sometimes I'm just like, it's just all I can do to get home and just hope that one, at least only one of them are throwing a fit. To just hope that the boys are not punching each other's face off. Come on. To just hope that my wife is like having a good day. Come on, that's real life. Like you're literally in the middle and you're wondering, you are wondering, you're wondering. I don't know if I'm gonna make it. I'm your pastor, it's true. I live this too. And the truth is, you're gonna make it. Don't quit. That's the only requirement. If you're still breathing and you can still put one step in front of the other, you can make it. God's way is the best way. Don't quit. Second Timothy 3:16. All I wouldn't say all. All in the original Greek means all. All scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for several things. First teaching. Some of you just don't know what you don't know, where you're gonna know. But you gotta apply yourself. You gotta open your ears, open your heart. You gotta listen. Some of you, you're gonna be rebuked. Not by me, by God's word. You're welcome. We take God's word very seriously here, but ourself, not so much. You're gonna be rebuked. There's something you're believing that's more postmodern than it is Christian. That's more like the world than it's real. You're gonna be challenged. Accept the rebuke. Allow yourself to be corrected and then trained up in the way you should go. First thing I want to tackle before we jump into six ground rules for our series is this side of heaven, there's no scenario, especially in family, without tension. None. I believe that if we can just accept that if we want to grow and become all that God's created us to be, not just for ourselves, but for our spouses, for our brothers, for our sisters, for our kids, for our moms, for our dads, okay, we have to embrace the tension of family. Tension is what makes you stronger. Many of us, we have this idea that when we give our life to Christ, all of a sudden he's just going to take away all the weight. It's like going into the gym, sitting watching everyone working out and wondering why we're not getting stronger. Think about it for a minute. We think like that. We, we, need to, we need to think differently about God's word. We need to think differently about family. You know, God literally designed family for tension. Not, just, not for happiness. Nope. It's to make you better. When you allow God to make you better in family, here's what happens. You get something better than happiness. You get, a, you get an abiding joy because you're building God's way. He builds you into something you could never have done or dreamed or imagined on your own but it requires voluntarily accepting the tension of family. For example, God brings two people together, right? What happens? He brings together opposites. Why in the world would he do that? You know what attracted you and your spouse? About five minutes after your honeymoon would drive you crazy. If you're an introvert, you're attracted to somebody more extroverted. If you're a spender, for whatever reason, you're attracted to a saver. Probably so you don't end up, you know, living in a van down by the river, come on. It's just how it is. And it's like, we love that. We admire that about them when we're dating. Like, but then we get married and all of a sudden, man, that iron starts sharpening iron and it becomes hard. For example, I am OCD, big time. I like things in order, right? My wife is 100% wherever her feet are. She's not thinking about anything else. She's a great gift to our family, right? I light up a room by leaving it. She brings in peace. People have visited our home. The peace is there, not because of me. It's there in spite of me. It's because I've cooperated with the gift that she has. Now, she can be very frustrating sometimes. For example, toothpaste. It's annoying. You roll the toothpaste roll. You roll it. I'm a good steward. I like to resource every little bit of toothpaste. She doesn't. She's a gorilla. She just squeezes it. (laughs) obnoxious. It really is. You know, and over the years, listen, we, listen, we don't share toothpaste tubes. If she can keep that mess. I put a big old cabinet. I can't even see. I don't want to see it. There's tension in marriage. People are different. That's a good and godly thing. You don't want to be the center of your own universe. You don't. It's not where growth is. It's not where happiness and joy is. You know, there's also tension with your kids. It's like God does not give you same one twice. They're all different. And there's principles in God's word. We're going to learn principles, but man, they apply out differently to different kids. Depends on what kind of kid they are. My youngest man, he's just mean. If he's crying, it's not because he's hurt, because he's ticked off. He could lose a pinky. He ain't crying because he's bleeding. He only cries because he's mad. He'll just walk over and just whack my son in the face. Just without even thinking about it, just knock him across the room. Grayson will come back to me all crying and sniffling. He's a little bit more sensitive, kind of. The thing about Grayson is, he might take it in the beginning, but he will get even. And it will be when you least expect it. And it will be way worse than whatever it was you did to him. Right? Think about it for a minute. My daughter Breland, she's like she's like her mom, Cyclone. You can tell where they've been in the house simply by following the stuff they let down. They leave down. She's wild and crazy and fun. Adeline, thank God she's responsible, our oldest. Somebody's got to divvy out the money and be fair after we die. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's all different. Kids are different. There's tension. And then there's tension in how you parent. I know, it's, I know it's wild in our culture to say things that are just obviously self-evidently true. God created them male and female. They're different. I don't know if y'all know that. They're different. Way different. Mom and dad are different. They want... To be nurtured, they skinned a knee, they need to be hugged. They don't come to me. They do not come to me. They go to mom. It's beautiful. It's great. She can nurture them, hug them, love them. They want justice, they come to me. (laughs) It's just how it works. As they grow, those, those roles shift and they change. What is that? That's tension. We have to embrace tension. Stop cursing it. Stop wishing that it wasn't so. It is so. This is your life. It's the only one you have. We look over the, it's never been easier to look over the fence, see what they have. Genesis chapter two, it's the pinnacle of creation. God creates man and in 23, man is talking. So this is the first R&B song, by the way, in the Bible. Man gets his wife, but before that, it's very important, God puts him in the garden and gives him a job. Man learned how to work, but then he started working and he realized it wasn't just about work. By the way, guys, we still struggle with this today. We put work above our family, thinking it's gonna give us meaning and fulfillment. It's not. There's only so many dollars before you reach the point where not one more is gonna make you any more or less happy or secure. But he gives him a job. He's faithful in the job and realizes, man, do you think God knew Adam? God created Adam to be a family man. He was teaching us something. This is what Adam says about Eve, And the man said, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman for she was taken from man. She was taken from his side. That's symbolic as well. She's a helpmate beside him. A a, a worthy opponent is what the word means. A worthy opponent. Not somebody under your feet or behind you, but somebody that you can. Did you know that um, if you don't have enough conflict, you're more likely to get divorced? Did you know if you have too much conflict, you're most likely to get divorced? Did you know there's an optimum amount of conflict? What is that? Tension. Healthy tension leads to a healthy marriage. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Now listen, uh, Thursday I'm gonna talk about this concept of covenant. I don't have time here. But this idea is so much bigger than just raising kids. It's so much bigger. Come, come Thursday night. I'm gonna to talk to you a little more about covenant. But I want you to think about this for a minute. This is a defining moment in Scripture. It's the first story in the Bible. It's the first story. Human beings. Now, think about it. They're perfect. They're in the garden. Eden literally means like perfect. Right? They had everything you and I say we need to have a good family. They already had it. There's no sin, there was no death. There's no flandering. There's no one to flander with. There's no issues, and yet they still screwed it up. It's interesting, isn't it? And you know, what's also fascinating is when you look in the Bible and you read the stories, you can't find one functional family. They're all dysfunctional. Every one of them, there's not one. All of them. The very first story, Cain and Abel. No, Adam and Eve did not have a belly button. I'll answer that for you people wonder. The firstborn people, Cain and Abel, What did Cain do to Abel? Murdered him. You fast forward, parents preferring one kid over another, fighting, not communicating, breakdown after breakdown after breakdown. The next series we're gonna do is on the life of Joseph. His brothers literally threw him into a pit. We're gonna kill him. If they didn't got a better idea, let's make some money and sold him as a slave in Egypt. I'm just saying, if you think your family's dysfunctional, a lot of people read the Bible and they read it as though it's some kind of like story about superheroes. These are some messed up people with some messed up families. You know why there stories in the scripture? So you and I can learn. You know what happens when we remember a story as we're living out our own life? We can avoid their mistakes. The best experience is someone else's. That's the power of the Bible. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna open up God's word and we're gonna learn how to do it his way. Family is very difficult because it's where we all live. It's the deepest pain. And so kicking off our series, we're going to dive into a bunch of issues. I'm going to give you six house rules, okay? Just six rules we're going to come back to that are going to guide our journey. Not just our journey here, but our journey in our small group and also our journey on Thursdays. The first rule is embrace God's design. We have to embrace it. You know what an embrace is? Give it a big old hug. Don't be timid. Don't be shy. Give it a big old hug. Proverbs 24.3 says a house is built by wisdom and is established by understanding. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with every precious and beautiful treasure. How many of you want precious and beautiful treasure in your home? There's a catch and a requirement. It has to be built by wisdom, not microwaved by experience. Listen, I love Tostino pizza, roll. pizza rolls like the next guy, okay? But that's way different than a filet. Would you not agree? If you're in here and you're a vegetarian, you're missing out. (laughs) But go ahead, more for me. It takes time. It's established by understanding. Understanding, that's a lot of words. That's a lot of communication. The worst thing that you can do is stop talking. Because if you stop talking, you stop understanding. Why do you think everyone in our culture wants to get us to stop talking? Why do you think our founders, who by the way, were founding our nation on Judeo-Christian principles, they were and did, Why do you think the very first right they said was freedom of speech? Because if you can't talk, you can't understand. And we have a culture that just can't talk to each other. So you can't understand. Ground rule number one, we have to embrace God's design. God's design takes time. Anything great you build in your life, anything great, time, it takes time. Next, don't think like a consumer. Now, I love being a consumer perhaps one of my favorite things to be. But it won't work in family. A consumer says, I deserve the highest value for the best possible price. A consumer says, the customer is always right. A consumer says, if I don't get what I want, I'll take my business somewhere else. Now in the world, the consumer relationship is honestly good. If I pay for something, I should expect to get it on Time and in the condition for which I paid for it to be there, right? I should be able to. When a company wants to go woke, I should be able to withdraw my support as a consumer from said company. By the way, that does work. You should join us. Okay, that's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. It it will never work in family, because there's a difference between a business and a family. It won't work. You take those same expectations in, right? you have that same mindset and you have over half of the people who get, di- who get married will be divorced. That number is no different in the church. Why? Because we go in, it's all about me, 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 me. And you know, a lot of this has to do with the people we process with. A lot of times we, we only surround ourselves with people who are just like us that we can just vent and complain to. We don't surround ourselves with people who after about the fifth time hearing the same thing, will stop us and say, you know what? I actually don't think it's them. I think it's you. Quit being a jerk. We don't. Guys, we vent with our buddies about how hard it is. Ladies, we vent to our girlfriends about how insensitive he is. We do a lot of talking to other people, but not to each other. You got to make sure that the people, listen, I'll just help you. If you're in here today and you actually care about your family, don't you ever trust anybody who doesn't fear God not with your family, ever. doesn't mean you can't learn from them. It doesn't mean you can't eat the hay and spit out the sticks, as us Texans say. It doesn't mean you can't glean, but don't trust them. The problem is we've given our trust to people who don't love God. And as a result, the Bible says that the companion of fools suffers harm. You notice it's never the drunk driver that gets hurt. It's always the person in the seat. Notice that? seems like the drunk driver, you know, driving the car, he always walks away with no problem but it's always the companion. It's always the people in the seats next to him that die. The same thing happens when we trust people who don't love God. That's important. Surround yourself with good, godly people. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. Next, discern the difference between personality and personal growth. Know the difference between where you're starting from, your personality, and what growth looks like. Sometimes it's not just your personality. Sometimes you're just a jerk and you need to change. We do this a lot in the modern world. We have all these little assessments. They're all based on the same structure. It's a great starting place. Extrovert, you know. Triggers, you understand. There's some things you can learn, but not so that you can stay there and use them as an excuse, but so that you can grow. I have a picture, 2005. Come on, put that picture up. Yeah, all right. Can I just tell you something? Listen, you don't want to know that guy. That guy was a jerk. He was. He was selfish, self centered, a know it all. He was a jerk. You know what happened? That girl killed him. That's what happened. Think about this for a minute nostalgia will hold you back. That's a great picture, and it's great to look back and remember. I wouldn't go back there for anything in the world. Those, those people actually don't even exist anymore. You know, that's how it's supposed to be if we do this thing right. We grow up and into something so much greater than we started, but we can't do it our way. We have to do it God's way. Discern the difference between personality and personal growth. Proverbs 19:20. listen to advice and accept discipline so that you may be wise the rest of your days. Many plans are in a person's heart, but the advice of the Lord will stand. Lots of ideas about how to do marriage and family. Lots of secular ideas pushing in. Jesus says in another place that all these things will pass away. All the things you worry about, all the things you wonder about, all the arguments of our day, they'll all pass away. Do you know what's going to be left standing at the end? He says, my words. The same words that created the heavens and the earth from Genesis, the same words that became flesh in John 1, and the same words that are coming back to rule and reign from Jerusalem in the last books of the Bible. His word lasts. There are lots of ways set before people. They are not all equal. The way to a great family is God's way. Next, make time to talk daily. If I was to write a book on family, it wouldn't be a book, it would be a text message. You know what it would be? Spend time with your family every day. Put your phone down, stop overcommitting. Throwing your identity in their sports clubs and blah, 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 blah. Do you care about your kids getting into Harvard or heaven? That's a really important question. Many times we say things to our kids like, oh, you're so smart. Oh, you're so pretty. What about, oh, you're so good. You did the right thing. Many times we just don't face each other. Me and Kyla started something years ago. I can save you a lot of money in counseling. We connect for 30 minutes at the beginning of every single day, every single morning. Over an espresso, and she is not a morning person. I have learned to let her be awake for about 10 minutes. Sometimes we fight. Sometimes it's tense. Sometimes she does all the talking. Sometimes I do all the talking. Sometimes we just sit. Sometimes we talk about a kid. Sometimes one of those kids wake up early and ruin it. But every day we connect. Every single day. Every single day when I come home, I have a hard stop. Maybe different for you, but I have a hard stop. When that happens, my phone gets turned off. You cannot get me at my house. You cannot get me at my house. For an emergency, you can get my wife, but she rarely gives her number to anybody unless it's really an emergency. That becomes a protected place and space, what? For us to talk, for us to connect, for us to face each other. That is so incredibly important. Chair time is what we call it, dinner time for the kids. Next, ask for help. This is the purpose of the church. I'm gonna teach you something about God. Exodus 3:14. God replied, this is Moses in the burning bush. Y'all remember that burning bush? You know, it's like burning, but it's not being consumed. You know, that's what we'll feel like sometimes. Life's burning, somehow we're still here. It's God's grace. It's a refining fire, this picture, of the burning bush. God replies to Moses, because Moses asks, well, what do I say to Pharaoh? What's your name? Like, God's have names, you know? God of this, the God of that. God replies to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites. Remind them, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. You pass by things in the Bible. This is what's called God's covenant name. It's his favorite name. You could, let me say it this way. It's his surname. It's his family name. He says, I am the, this is the name you're to remember for all generations. I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. This is a picture, not just of natural family, but also spiritual family. The children of Israel would go on to form a nation. That nation would bring us Jesus. The church would be established. Are you following me? This picture is three generations. Every healthy family is three generations. Grandparents, parents, and children. We need all of them. A one-generation family is a generation that will not make it, just like it's a church that will not make it. Every healthy family has three generations. Why? Because we need each other. Children need stability. Parents need wisdom, and grandparents need purpose. We need each other. It is so important. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just ask for help. But here's the thing. You can't do it in pride. That didn't work. You have to humble yourself when you need help. You have to take a chance. Maybe the first two or three people aren't the answer. You know what I've learned in the church is it's dangerous when you make one person the answer for everything. It's just not good. You know, the devil can just do this to that person. One person can let you down big time. It's a lot harder for a family to let you down. Let me tell you what I mean. I had to learn a long time ago as a pastor that people can't just keep coming to me because first of all, I'm not enough and I'm not the best at most things. I used to do marriage counseling. You don't want me to do that. First 5 marriage counseling sessions I had, all 5 of them got married and got divorced. Come on somebody. I'm not gifted. That's not a gift of mine. It's not my lane. We have counselors in our church today that are powerful, they're good at it. Pastors that come alongside and help. There's all kinds of things. One person isn't the best at everything. And a lot of times as Christians, we do this thing that the world does. We love to build up people in the church or leaders in our life or mentors. Only, in, only far enough to where we see that they're actually human and then we backhand them off the pedestal we put them on. It's disgusting. It needs to stop. One person is not your answer in a, in a church, but your answer is in the church. You get it? Look to your left. Look to your right. Look in front. Look behind. It's here. The answer's here. But you've got to look for it. You know what Jesus says? You've got to Knock. You ever notice why he does that? Why the, 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 it's one of the most common parables he has. Keep knocking. There's a parable that literally says, you need something, keep knocking. The guy won't come to the door. When he finally comes, he'll tell you to get lost. He'll go back, but you keep knocking. Eventually, he'll do what you want because you kept knocking. That's a picture. That's a picture of taking responsibility and getting what you need, but not being bitter when one person lets you down. Chances are one person is gonna let you down. You know, you can overcome bitterness when you, when, you, when you detach, right? The fact of one person can't meet your need. When you remove that expectation, all of a sudden you can just roll to the next thing. You can just roll. Okay, God, that wasn't where I was called to meet it. I'm gonna go to the next one. You've got to learn to ask for help. But then you've got to realize that it's up to you to keep knocking, to keep growing. Finally, as we close, and we are closing, this is important. We're gonna have to come back to this. You and I, we have to hold on to hope. It doesn't matter what our situation looks like. It doesn't matter what the experiences we bring in are. You, I'm gonna say this. I don't care what this demonic lying world tells you. You are not the sum total of your lived experience. You are so much more than that. You are so much more than that. You are stronger than that. You, listen, I'm just telling you, God did not make a bunch of fragile people. The Bible says that when we get together, we are unstoppable for what we can do. What we can do personally, what we can do in our families and what we can do as a church family. We need to act like that. I say this a ton. You can be a victim of the world, or you can be a child of God. You cannot be both at the same time. You have to choose. And that's what we want to do in this series. We want to open up and show you the great choice that God's given us to live and do family His way, believing this truth in Romans 8:28. For we know that in all things, God works the good for those who love Him and are called according to his purpose. We want him to work things together for good. Here's the catch. We have to love him, and we have to be called according to his purpose. You know what it says? We have to do things his way, not our way. The promise only comes when we put this book, the power of his word, over our life and our families. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for the power of your word. I thank you, God, for what you're gonna do. Father, we've already seen it this morning people getting saved, people getting real with where you are in their life, we've seen it. Lord God, the seeds of your word are being planted in the hearts of people. God, you're with us. You've given us your word as a light and a lamp to our feet. It can guide our path, Lord, if we'll keep our eyes up, looking at you, the author and perfecter of our faith. I pray, Father, that each and every one of us, wherever we find ourselves we'll be able to take the step closer to you. Father, we would honor you in a greater way in our family relationships, that God, we would open up our heart to learn. We would embrace these ground rules, these house rules. Father, as a result, we would go so much further than we could ever go without you. We would become so much more than we could ever be without you. And Father, you would do more in our life through our obedience to your word than we could ever do on our own without you. Father, we invite you into our families. We invite you into our lives in a greater way. Father, I also pray for anybody in here that's far from you. I pray, God, that they wouldn't leave this place the same way that they came in, that they would surrender their life to you. heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're almost done. One of the most important things we do at every location and every service is we provide a place and a space for someone far from God to draw near to him. Maybe you're in here and you're far from God. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna single you out. I'm not gonna do any of that. I don't need to ask you an awkward question or pull a magnifying glass up to your life. You know if you're playing with God or not. You know if you're serious. Maybe at one point you walk walked with him, but you're not walking with him today. Maybe you've never even given him a shot. You've been proud and arrogant. And as you look out on the world and even your own life, you realize it's not working. My advice to you is to humble your heart, surrender your life to the only one that can give it back to you better. Than it could ever be before. As head are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, I, I just want to pray for you. If you're in here and you say, Pastor, that's me, would you include me in your prayers? Would you just acknowledge that by lifting your hand up halfway? Is there anybody in here who you say, Pastor, that's me? Pray for me. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. you. just put it up and put it back down. Thank you. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. If you're anyone else you join these? That's me. Pray for me. I'm far from God. I don't want to be. Thank you. I see you. I see you. Thank you. In a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. The power's not in the prayer. Power is in the intent of your heart. You gotta understand something about God. God's not a bully or a tyrant. He's never gonna force his way into your life. The Bible commands us of our own free will to acknowledge him. It's an act of free will giving our life to him. The Bible says we believe what the Bible says about Jesus is true, that he died on the cross for our sin, that he resurrected from the dead three days later, and that as a result, He's powerful and alive today. We surrender our lives to him to become all that he's called us to be. In a moment, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. Allow this prayer, if you're really serious, if you're not serious, the prayer won't work. But if you are serious, it's the power of God to save you. It's the power of God to restart your life, to get back on the path you were meant to walk. Allow this prayer to be an expression of why you raised your hand. I believe God's gonna meet you on the other side. We're also gonna give you some steps. I'm gonna encourage you if you're recommitting or you're beginning to follow Christ for the first time, to take those steps. But right now, let's just, let's pray. Church, we believe in what they're doing. Let's say this prayer so as to encourage their faith. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, for living a perfect life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I believe that you are good and I believe you're God. I believe on the third day, after you were killed on the cross. I believe you resurrected from the dead. I believe you defeated death once and for all to give me life once and for all. And so today, of my own free will, I choose to make you my Lord, my Savior, and my King. Lead me and guide me. Show me what's next. It's in your name that I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's put our hands together. And we did that.